Before we get rolling into today's podcast, I want to tell you about our awesome sponsors that uh, keep this thing free for you guys. So first we have DuckSeason.com. That's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Go on there. Check it out. Uh, You can get signed up for uh, Traded Hunts where you put in your location, the kind of birds you're after, you know, the type of things that you do. And uh, you can search around on there, see other people, their areas, what they go after, and you can talk with each other and get linked up and trade hunts with each other. So rather than hiring an outfitter or a guide, if you're on a budget or kind of want to do a little bit of a DIY thing, you can get linked up with some people, go hunt their area, they come out and hunt in your area. It's a really cool thing. Also on there, there's some forums, you know, duck hunting, waterfowl hunting in general, different tips and advice, things like that. And they also have a lot of merchandise, really cool stuff. And in their merchandise, they have the Salty Fowl line of clothing, where 100% of the profits from that go to uh, Eider Research out there on the coast. So really cool cause. Go check it out. Go buy some stuff. Get on some trade hunts. You definitely won't regret it. Next, we have Steady Wing Outfitters. That's Mikey Soberano. He's up there in northeast Kansas, and he uh, specializes in waterfowl, turkey, and deer. You can check him out on Instagram at Steady Wing Outfitters. Uh, and if you want to book a hunt, you can give him a call. His number is 785-410-2304. Next, we have 701 Pursuit. They're over there in North Dakota. They're making a bunch of awesome hunting and fishing content. It's on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of the places. Go check them out for some high-quality stuff. They also have a website with some merchandise and other things on it. Uh, The website is 701pursuit.com. That's the numbers, 701pursuit.com. So check them out, all the places that you have social media. They're on there somewhere. Next, we have Bulldog Baits. It's over there in western Oklahoma. Uh, They're making crankbaits, jigs, soft plastic, spoons, jig heads, sinkers, anything you need for fishing. They've got it. So you can check them out on uh, Instagram. It's bulldog underscore baits. And if you want to go on their website to order some stuff, it's bulldog-baits.square.site. So if you're needing anything, definitely, definitely go check them out. Also, on the same note, we have Stump Thumper Baits. Their website is stumpthumperbaits.com. They also have soft plastics, jigs, all that type of stuff. Want to check them out too on Instagram. Their handle is at stumpthumperbaits. They're also Facebook, anywhere else. Now we have Waylon Johnson and his guide service. He's over in the San Antonio area. Uh, he's hunting ducks, geese, anything waterfowl you guys want to get on over there down in Texas. You can give him a call at 361-494-7868. You can also find him on Facebook. Uh, his name is just Waylon Johnson. See what he's been up to. Check out the cool birds down there. All that good stuff. And lastly, we have my dog training business up here in Northeast Montana. I specialize in retrievers, but I train all sorts, basic obedience, force fetch, waterfowl upland, anything you're looking to get done with your dog, I can help you out with. Um, You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, all the normal places. It's H-I-L-I-N-E, retrievers. And then if you're looking for some advice or looking to uh, get set up with some training, give me a call. My number is 406 783-7083. Thanks a lot. Thanks to our sponsors. Go check them all out and enjoy the show. 
took wing Shotguns singing A pointing dog down in the old logging road And then he got three And looked back grinning I fumbled around and I tried to reload The country was cold Alright, welcome to the Woods and Water Podcast. This is Garrett. Today I got Tarl Fregon on the show. Uh, most of you probably know him as Trad Life TV on Instagram. So, uh, Tarl, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure thing, Gert. My name is Tarl Frigon. I'm from Regina, Saskatchewan, up in Canada. And uh, yeah, I've, I've actually got a couple uh, YouTube, or sorry, not YouTube, couple Instagram accounts. One's Trad Life TV, and one is Gunshot Archery, and uh, a YouTube channels as well. So that's Gunshot Archery on that one. Cool. So, obviously, with the uh, names, you're not quite a uh, rifle hunter or anything. You're on the bow side of things. So, uh, I guess, how did you get started in the outdoors? Were you always just a trad archery hunter, or how did you start out? Started out like everybody else. You're, you know, well, I got, I'm the youngest of nine kids, so I have five older brothers, and they were all, back in the day, I was bowing Luke Duke, right? So, everybody had a bow and you know, and they basically, my older brothers got me into it, give me a bow. So, yeah, and basically I learned how to shoot wrong. So, because they, they weren't the best archers and they were even worse teachers. So it wasn't, I had the best technique growing up and stuff like that. You just kind of want to shoot better. So then you just talk to people and. Yeah, archers are pretty good. They'll they'll steer you in the right direction, teaching you how to shoot properly and you know stuff like that. But it's it's a big learning curve. It's not like nowadays where everything's at your fingertips. You know, you want to learn anything, just Google it, YouTube yeah. it. Yeah, I kind of had the same thing. I started out well young too, and young kids they always try to pull it further than you need to, and might be a little bit too heavy for you, and you get bad form real quick, and it sticks. Oh, yeah. Bad habits. Yeah. So, I guess, Bo and Luke Duke, do you guys try to make flaming arrows too, or is that just me and my brother? Oh, yeah. That's that's the only way to make them flaming is to decrease your poundage so it's not fast because it would always go out. So, a 15 or 20-pound recurve shoots a flaming arrow a lot better than a 50-pound compound. <laughs> Glad that we weren't the only one terrorizing the neighborhood. Yeah. Um. So you went from that, were you, uh, you grew up in a hunting family then, I assume you guys were hunting with them as a, at a young age? Yeah, uh, like I said, I'm the youngest of nine kids, so when I was born, my dad was probably 47, so when I was able to hunt deer, he didn't really care to hunt deer anymore, he was, because him, for him, hunting deer, it was, okay, rifles, right, and everybody's rifles back then, they would miss school for the opening day of deer season they'd go out get their deer be be back home by nine in the morning and back to work by 10 right and that's mm. just the way it was. They, it was basically going to get groceries and bow hunting it's not not quite like that it's a little bit different okay how i guess how was it in canada as a resident can you guys get deer licenses yearly like it's no issue or is it kind of tough to get them in yeah no Saskatchewan? Yes. Well, yeah, Saskatchewan, you just buy a tag. Okay. Anybody, you get one white tail. Yeah, you can buy, pretty much you can buy over the counter almost 
almost every tag like bear whitetail mule deer you have to get drawn to use a rifle but you can buy an archery tag for certain everything is specific zones and some zones you can shoot a doe like a whitetail doe and you can buy a moose tag go regular season elk can go regular season bear regular season spring or fall antelope you have to be drawn and yeah mule deer is the only one that's uh archery only or draw okay but i mean you can go into draw for any other specific animal it just has to be a specific zone to be drawn like around regina you can shoot moose but you can't buy over the counter tag you just have to put in for the draw okay and it's not a point system like some some of the states have points and stuff like that this is you're in a class uh super a a b c d so you start off in d then the next year they just draw like like for antelope there's like four thousand people trying to get into antelope for I don't know, 150 tags maybe or something like that, or maybe 100 tags or 20 tags. I don't even know. But if you've applied the year previous, you'll know how many people applied for that specific tag in that specific area. So you'll know your odds are good. And when you apply for a tag, say I want to go for elk, I can apply for five different zones. And even if I'm in B class, I could get drawn in a specific zone where there's not enough people entering that zone. If that makes any sense. So is it like your first year you're in D, and if you don't draw that year, the next year you move up to C, and so like they, if there's a hundred tags, you might draw five out of the D class and then work their way up, exactly, increase as it goes up. So then it'd be ten in C, and then right. Or if they got twenty five, or say they got fifty tags and they only have, you know, forty eight people put in for the draw, you know, they'll have two surplus tags and stuff like that. Then you just go buy those. But yeah, there's there's a bunch of rules. It's the same as everywhere else is not as crazy as some people think because yeah. Is, you know. yeah well i mean i've i've gone up to uh like around saskatchewan moose jaw uh waterfowl hunting even from the states it wasn't that bad we just w- drove up to coronac and bought our licenses at the uh gas station there in coronac yeah. so yeah i just didn't quite know for the big game how it was yeah it's a little a little bit more complicated okay so do you remember what make that uh first bow you had was that they gave you no i think it might have been an allen compound it's just a wood riser with uh, wheels and the first time i pulled it back i just pulled it back in the driveway because i wanted to go hunting with them i think i was 12 or 13 and pulled it back and i thought well well actually dry fired it the first time i pulled it back <laughs> just pulled it back anchored and like oh yeah this is pretty cool bang just dry fired it but it didn't hurt it it was fine like oh yeah you're not supposed to do that and like well (laughs) thanks thanks. never do that again yeah so and i thought wow it's pretty loud (laughs) not if you got an arrow in it yeah even back then so then we went we went shooting and we went to this one range and uh the target was like huge like four feet by four feet and we're we're back up 20 yards and they, they weren't using sights and stuff like that back then they were just looking down the arrow and instinctive and I could not hit the four by four target. And my brothers, you know, they're pretty good hitting pie plates or whatever. And they're quite happy hitting a pie plate. And I could not hit that thing at all. Like not like I'm, I, I lost almost every arrow because I was missing the targets. Like not just missing the pie plate. I was missing the entire four foot by four foot target. How close did they have you? Well, like 20 yards, like stupid. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah. Because what I was doing is I'd pull my bow back and I would throw my bow hand forward as I shot because I thought 
if I can pull it back, it's not strong enough, so I have to give it that extra little oomph. And then I just kept missing. It was it was brutal. So who knows where it's gonna go from there? Because you could be going yeah. like this, or yeah, exactly. I'm just just throwing it there, like I don't know. Just but that's all in training, right? Somebody was if you're teaching somebody how to shoot, you're not gonna you can just see him do that once and go okay, calm down, you know, just hold it still and open your hand basically. But no, they were just too busy shooting themselves and they just thought I would just pick it up, I guess. Yeah. And then. Yeah, then it was, but I was pretty much just a compound guy back okay. then, you know. So I guess moving up then, uh, when did you get to where you started to figure it out and uh, actually be able to hit a four by four target? Oh, after that, I just you know wanted to get better and put some sights on it and figured out how to aim with sights and anchor points and stuff like that. And this was way before peep sights were even a thing. That we know of, anyway. You just look down the arrow, put the pin. That was probably before you even re- used releases either, too. Weren't you guys finger oh, yeah. shooting? Oh, yeah. Just fingers, yeah. 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 On a piece of crap plastic flipper rest, right? The one that sticks on the riser and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was And whenever archaic. it gets cold, that uh, uh, glue that's holding it on will get brittle, and you'll shoot, and go flying off with your arrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was super fun. So. But. Uh, how old were you when you were doing that then when you started to figure it out? Like, was it around hunting 13. 13, okay. Yeah, I was I was uh, bird hunting with my dad with, with shotguns and stuff and always wanted to go deer hunting and he never wanted to because he's he did it lots and he was done with it, right? Yep. So, so then how did brothers, you, your brothers got you to go out deer yeah, hunting? Yeah, they got me into it and stuff like that. I didn't, didn't shoot my first deer until I was probably 16, 16 or so. Yeah, not not for lack of trying, but just it was just not super easy, you know. We weren't. Yeah. This is when tree stands just started coming around. Not not just started, but we just kind of found out about tree stands and stuff like that. So usually it was, they would just walk around. Like it was ridiculous, man. Like walking around with recurve, like like you're gun hunting, pushing books and stuff. Oh, it's painful. And then they take me out there. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. How do you expect to shoot anything? pushing bush with recurves and, and compounds. It doesn't make any sense walking around. You know? Were you guys, to... you guys were pushing or did you have people pushing to you? We were just walking in the bush. Okay. We were just walking around. It's like, yeah, well, let's go hunting. Let's go walk this. And like, and I didn't, it was, it was crazy. We didn't get anything. You seen lots running away, but you don't, you don't get shots. If you stumble on one that's blind, deaf and head down in a bucket, you might be able to shoot them. But that was about it. Like it was, it's not like the, the bush that we're in is so thick. You can't see 30 yards, right? You, well, you've been in some of the, some, some of the yeah. bushes up there, but it's like, if you're not hunting a field edge and waiting for deer to walk by, you weren't getting deer. Right. And we never in Saskatchewan, you could bait for years. Everybody could bait, but we never really knew that. And we just sat on trails and stuff like that. So it was, we should have been baiting. It would have been a lot better, not easier per se, but you know, you just set up on a trail to a pea field or where they come to flax and, you know, just wait them up just like Bowen should be. But back in the day, it wasn't like that. It was walk around and hope for the best. So the reason I asked if you guys had pushers or if you were just walking was the first deer that I ever saw get shot that I can remember. We used to, on Thanksgiving-ish, sometime around there, we would go to my grandparents, the whole family would, 
all the kids and the wives would walk down the draw and all the uh my uncles and my grandpa and my dad they would sit at the end of the draws big thick thick draws down in south dakota eastern side and then we would push the deer to them and they would you know the deer would be trotting ahead of us and they would either shoot them on the run because they were all shooting fingers there was compounds like the old bear white tail twos and things like that it was finger compounds though and they weren't they were pretty much point and shoot instinctive because they all were shooting those bows growing up that my grandpa yeah so that that little wheel rollers was a big upgrade so anyways the one year i was old enough i don't remember how old i was but i was old enough that i convinced my grandpa to let me sit with him instead of walking with the kids and the wives and this doe come running by and he pulled back on the run at like 10 yards if that hit it well spined it so then i had to watch him pull out a dull pocket knife and try to finish it off but yeah that that's why i was asking because i grew up doing that type of thing where we're pushing to him but that's a little bit different than you just stumbling through the woods hoping you come across something yeah yeah like my my dad when i like i said that and that's how they used to rifle hunt all the time somebody would standpoint and push bush and stuff like that and my dad I remember him saying, "You can you shoot on the run? I'm like, well, of course. Of course I can. You know, I'm 14. I can, I can do anything. And he's like, okay, well, I know where these deer exit this one field. So I'll, or this one block, I'll, I'll walk it. And you just sit here and just wait. And then, of course, a little, little tiny deer comes running by and I missed it. But, you know, that was, that's, that's about it. And I'm like, still, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. It's ridiculous. You don't, you don't, it's not conducive to killing deer pushing bush or, or, Spot and stock's different because you're you see the deer, you just you're you know, you're you can be quiet. stealthy. Yeah. Right. But just walking around and trying to get shots, oh man. <laughs> oh that's funny because yeah. that's kinda how when I first got my bow too and I was kinda let loose, my dad had injuries in his shoulder and his back, so he never really archery hunted with me. So I didn't really get taught that and all I knew was the rifle hunting part of it, so I kinda Kind of started out with that too, but it only took me like a half a season to figure it out and mention it to my dad. And he told me I was an idiot and that you got to spot them before you start walking towards them. Type yeah. Of deal. Yeah. Usually. But my brother shot lots of stuff like stumbling on it like that, but nothing, you know. And I have too, just, you know, walking out of your stand. Okay, I'm done. I haven't seen nothing. I get down and take three steps and there's a deer walking towards you, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But, I think they can hear that rope going down with the uh, bow on it, and they just start coming out of the woodwork. Because I don't know how many times I've lowered a bow down. As soon as it touches the ground, there comes three walking up the trail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you go from there. How long did it take for you to finally uh, get connected on one, get something? Uh, 16, you said? Well, yeah, I was about 16. And haven't didn't have a whole bunch of chances, so we would go – sit on a trail, nothing, sit on a trail, nothing. Then my brother's like, oh, well, we can, you know, I heard about these tree stands. Let's, let's try some of these. So we started hunting out of tree stands, and then your success kind of triples instantly because it's just a more effective way to hunt, right? So, mm. yeah, just same thing. We just made we made stands without the seat, just a little platform, and we just put it up as high as you can reach, climb the tree, and stand in the tree, basically. And yeah, my first deer was just a first one I shot. I didn't find shot him bedded. He come in and bedded and I, you know, shooting fingers and sights and pull back. And, and he, I swear to God, that thing could hear my heartbeat. That's how, <laughs> that's how loud it was. Just pumping in your ears. Like your head's going to explode. Just, you just hooked right after that. Right. But, 
anyway, shot him bedded, facing away, three-blade broadhead. Probably not the best arrow flight because, of course, nobody really knows how to tune a bow. <clears throat> and the arrow went in, didn't exit, so I didn't get an exit hole. And he got up and ran down into this valley, huge valley, and we just spent time looking for him and never found him. And then uh, I think the next day or a couple days later, I shot uh, just a fawn. First thing that came in, 10 yards, just fingers, 10 yards, shot, high shoulder, spiner, or him, or little button buck. Dropped him right there, and then I just jumped down real quick and ran over there. And yeah, like you said, finished him off with a knife pretty much, you know. Yeah, but yeah, learning experience that's for sure, but for sure. Um, so from there, did you stick with your uh wheel bows for a little while, or how long did it take you to uh switch back yeah. over? Yeah, yeah, I shot compound lots. I like compounds, there's nothing wrong with compound, yeah. they're super accurate, they're efficient, they're you know you kill lots of stuff and I like just shooting stuff. Like I like guns. Um, I don't have many guns because I like shooting them too much. And every time you shoot a bullet, it costs you a dollar. It's like every time you shoot an arrow, it doesn't cost you anything. And you get but it back and you get it back. So unless it's an animal and stuff like that, but, uh, yeah, yeah no, it's just, I, I got nothing against compounds. I just don't have any use for one. Right. I want my boy to actually shoot a compound for mule deer because, I feel like I'm handcuffing him, giving him a recurve, giving him a longbow, whatever, being traditional, following me because we're selling quivers and stuff like that. So I want to get video of the quivers. But it's like you're, you're handcuffing him. You know, now that he's uh, 18, he can pull well, he's strong, strong kids. So he could probably pull 65 pounds easy. And you can shoot pretty far with that. So I want him to start shooting a compound last year. Last year, two years ago, he shot a, a decent one, like 40 yards, compound. You know, it's it's, mm. it's But, like, I want him to upgrade the compound and be able to shoot 60 yards, no problem, just to get some experience. I feel like I'm ripping him off, right? He should get the experience and just, you know, put some bodies on the ground. And then if you choose to shoot recurve, then you can shoot recurve, right? Recurves are great for bears because you're 10 yards for bears. So. Mm whatever but missing deer at 20 yards he i don't know if you watch any of the the our videos on youtube but he shot a decent little mule deer we stalked into about 27 yards and he smoked it it got up and he took the shot and it turned and ran but he shot a little to the right hit it he thought perfect right behind the shoulder but watching the video just hit shoulder blade got two inches of penetration and it was like super cool, right? Super fun. But had he had a compound, it wouldn't have, you know, we probably wouldn't even have gone for that one because it was a little bit smaller, right? But he's, uh, I just don't want to rip him off when he's growing up from, you know, shooting decent deer, shooting lots of whitetail and whatever because he's shooting a con or a recurve, you know? So, you know, he's pretty, he's pretty pumped. We're going to, we were actually going to go to number one archery in uh, Regina there and uh, pick him up a new new bow shortly. Actually, we were talking about yesterday. So, I uh, I guess I don't want to make it sound like I've got anything against compounds because I shot him from the age of twelve to two years yeah. ago. I just yeah. finally switched back. So I like them too. It's just yeah, no, they're they're fine. Yeah, you know. and I rifle hunt a lot too. Like whenever I'm with my dad, he does, he can't shoot bow anymore because of his shoulder and back and stuff. So. 
I don't. I I hope I'm not coming across like I'm a oh. traditional only snob or something. But I am now, so that's fine. Um. So, anyways, when did you decide to switch over and try it out or go for it? Well, um, kind of always wanted to, just because it's cool, right? It's just mm-hmm. totally different. You just it's just you and the bow. You got to be closer. It's just harder because compound. I kind of dabbled. I shot. I shot some bears with with the recurve and stuff like that and then you want to shoot deer then you start shooting a little bit of deer and then it's like okay well you know what then you shoot deer with a compound at like 60 70 yards and it's like yeah this isn't to me it's not hunting it's more marksmanship right so guys that like nowadays guys are shooting 100 yards at animals and not not batting an eye and it like I don't agree with that 100%. I mean, I've done that. I've shot moose really far, elk really far, um, deer really far. It's just kind of hypocritical of me to say people shouldn't be doing it now. But I mean, people are really, really pushing it now. I find a lot of a lot of the big guys are you know 100 yard groups, softball size groups at you know, and, they're, and then they're shooting deer that far. Which which is fine, but a lot of stuff can happen. You know, hundred yards time. is a lot of a lot of time for a deer. To, I mean, they can turn yeah. around, and take three steps if they were really getting after yeah. it. Yeah, even at sixty yards, a deer can move, and you can shoot his yeah. back leg off. Right? But it is pretty impressive some of those groups those guys can put out on targets, though. Because I mean, it doesn't oh. matter how advanced your bow is; it's still connected to your to your one hand, and then until you release it, the sure. other. That's all you got. Sure. Yeah, to your heartbeat too, right? Yeah, yeah. But no, I've shot, I've shot moose, and they got tons of penetration, like elk, really far, like eighty yards and stuff like that, and it zips right through. But again, that was just marksmanship. So I could shoot really good. So you only had to get so close. And now it's like I don't even care if I kill it. I just want to have more time in the field hunting it because it's more fun to hunt with a recurve where it, it, nothing's guaranteed, right? You know, and all the rifle guys that I I'm not going to say no, but they're all good shots. They could roll up to any field and shoot any deer that they see on that field kind of thing off the hood of their truck, right? If you're shooting six, 700 yards with a, with a rifle, to me, that's, that's not hunting, you know? I guarantee you that's not what your dad's doing. No. Right? He's not steady enough anymore. Well, he probably wouldn't even want to shoot that far. No. No, we, uh, I mean, we still, well... We're just south of you. We're still on the prairie too, so we do a lot of spot and stock. We got less trees than you do, so it's very rare. I don't think he's been in a tree stand in probably ten years. But we we do spot and stock, and we get as close as we can because not only is it, you know, part of the game, but I would rather be close and not have to track a deer across CRP in the middle of winter type of deal, or you know, middle of summer if it's warm out. Not middle of summer, middle of fall if it's warm out. I'd like to kind of. Get it done with. The tracking part's my least favorite part by 100%. Winter is a lot better for tracking, that's for sure. Yeah, except for if you got to go a ways and you're wearing Carhartts from head to toe and pack boots. Yeah. But I think we've all been there. You haven't been hunting long enough if you haven't. Because you can be cold all day and the second you start tracking that deer, and then right afterwards, then you got to drag it back that whole distance you just tracked it. Mm hmm. So that's, that's when you hope it's a small animal. Yeah. That's I, the only time. <laughs> I, uh, I got lucky last year. My, uh, I shot a mule deer. I hadn't shot a mule deer in a long time. And I shot with rifle, 
just because I hadn't really hunted with my dad in a couple years and after having kids and stuff didn't really have time so last year I went out with him and I wanted to shoot another one with him and there was a good mule deer out there and I shot it and he was just like if you picture like a I don't know 80 to 100 acre chunk of CRP state land just public land nothing but CRP and I shot him in the center of that and somehow I got lucky and he just kept on walking this way perfect shot I don't know how he went as far as he did but he just walked this way and tipped over and right when he, right where he tipped over there's a section line road right down the middle like 30 yards away from where he tipped over easiest pack I'd have ever done in my life to drive the pickup right up go right down that section line road and never got off never got off anything yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't ruin me. Hopefully that was, wasn't my one in the lifetime because that was nice. <coughs> yeah, no doubt. So, obviously now you've been doing the trad thing for a while and you're big into tuning. Deal like that. Whoa, I wouldn't say I'm big into tuning. I just know how to You know tune. how to do it. <laughs> you know how to do it. On your first, when you first started switching over, like you said in your uh, compound, you didn't know anything about tuning back then when you started when you went over to the recurve did you do like any arrow tuning or anything or did you just kind of okay yeah lots just i was actually working at number one archery just a local archery shop here so i had i was able to to uh shoot any arrow i wanted kind of thing so i i really was quite picky and choosy of what arrow was going to fly best and stuff like that and i had the saw so i could cut start long and just keep cutting it off a quarter inch at a time until it flew straight. Right. If it was coming up, I would just cut it off until it flew straight. And I was shooting like too heavy, way too heavy. Cause I would just snap shoot. Cause my bow was too heavy. Right. You're shooting a 70, 80 pound compound. And then you go to a recurve. It's like, yeah, I could pull 60 pound recurve. No problem. That's nothing. What's this? What's 60 pounds. I shoot an 80 pound compound. 60 pounds. Is no big deal. Then what you just develop bad habits. You can't hold it. You're not aiming or nothing like that. So you're just snap shooting. And that's how I started shooting. I would line it up, pull back, hit my face, shoot. That's it. I shot fine. Shot fine. You know, because you're shooting such high poundage, you shot pretty flat and straight. So you didn't have a huge, you know, arc, you know, from 20 to 30. You just pull back and give it a little and shoot, right? Mm-hmm. But now, nowadays, I don't want to shoot. I want to shoot all day. And you can't shoot a 60 pound bow all day long so it's like pitch that get it get a good one and just shoot all day you know now i'm shooting 47 pound uh long bow so i think my recurve is right at 48 and that's what i found too between these two because yeah. i mean when like you speak on your form i snap shoot that long bow so bad so then i just like have to make myself shoot the recurve for a while just to get form back to get it back in my mind and then Try to make myself do with the longbow. A seventy pound longbow is like, yeah, that's it's somewhere above gonna, that. You're gonna snap shoot them. Yeah. It's about <laughs> I try my hardest and I get that's about a, to right here trying to hold it and I start shaking. I finally get it back to yeah. my chin. Not every time, but if I'm like trying yeah. to purposely not snap shoot and then I just make myself worse. So Yeah. That's a fifteen yard and in type yeah, of deal. Now do that do that when you're super cold. Yeah. It's not happening. Oh yeah, no, it doesn't come out once we once the snow starts flying. It yeah. it's not even worth it. But yeah. so unless you go ahead. shorten your tight, unless you shorten your brace height a little bit, make it a little bit lighter, shoot a little bit different arrow, you know. But still, still heavy. You know, you can decrease your brace height an inch, and it's still going to be super heavy. Yeah. 
So now, since you said that you had all the arrows you wanted, you wanted to try. Um, what did you decide to go with for your first one? Were you aluminum, wood, carbon? Yes, yeah. aluminum. Aluminum. The uh, XX75 Camel Hunters, you know, good tried and true 20, 2018s, I think they were. And ironically, that's what I'm shooting now is the same one, but I'm shooting a way heavier point weight because before I was shooting probably a 125 and now I'm shooting like 200 grains. So because I'm not shooting 60 pounds anymore, I'm shooting 13 pounds less. You need a, you know, you need to weaken that arrow because it's super stiff, right? So mm-hmm. you got way more weight up front. Yeah, let me see here. Yeah, on that longbow, whatever poundage it's at, uh, I'm at 250 grain tips is what I shoot on a 400 spine of uh, carbon. Yeah. And those. Yeah. I think it came out to like 24.2 FOC, if I remember right. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if you missed I don't know if you messed around with that at all, but. I, I have played with it, but I, I forget what the formula is, figuring it all out and stuff like that. It's, yeah. Again, I messed around with so much technical crap shooting car, shooting compounds, like the scopes, the, the, you know, the Sherlock scopes and the back tension releases and all the stabilizers coming out every which way, you know, it just, it was, like I said, it was super fun. It is super fun just to shoot, but I'll tell you, man, shooting a compound with a back tension release and the bow does all the work. You, you are absolutely no part of the bow, except if you grab it wrong, it's going to shoot off. So if you eliminate yourself out of it by holding it properly with a good grip and a back tension release, it just hits X's all the time. Not not all the time. I'm not yeah, obviously super, not Olympic but, archer, but but I like I won my fair share of tournaments and compounds, and I just it, it just it was it's still fun. Don't get me wrong, it's still super fun, but it's just not for me. Like I I really enjoy sucking with the longbow. You know what I mean? Because you are part of the machine that's getting the arrow down there. So you have to have perfect form all the time and that it's impossible. <laughs> so you said that you started with those aluminum arrows and now you're on those same ones again. In the in-between time, were you just messing around with everything or did it look like yeah. you switched to wood for a little bit for sure? Oh, that was that was the last couple of years. I, I actually, me and my buddy Jerry, we would, uh, he, he was from Wisconsin and he brought some hickory staves up and we used to whittle out our our own bows and stuff like that he was pretty he was way more into it than i was like you know making a soft bow when he backed it with this and that and he his was like a 70 pound bow at his draw length and he would hold it there and he just just a killer this guy and he would arrows he would dip his arrows and make every arrow weigh the same and stuff like that and i'm like man just buy arrows (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he shot some stuff, but nothing, nothing ridiculously big. He missed a he missed a nice muley just with his with his salt bow over his back, shot over his back, you know, twenty five yards, big hundred eighty inch mule deer. And then right then and there, he's like, you know what? I think I might shoot a compound. And I think I'm pretty sure he's been shooting compound ever since. You know, really? Yeah. But he used to get headaches and stuff like that from shooting too much, just pulling on your neck, right, and your yeah. traps pulling pulling that kind of weight. But you know, he's up through bears and you know stuff like that. But uh, yeah, like I, I shot woods with a with a hickory bow. I shot a buffalo. I wanted to shoot a buffalo with a bow that I made and wood arrows that I made and stuff like that. And two blade broadhead and shot this buffalo. Super close. It was it was close. A hunt farm, right? It was you know hunting just for meat basically. 
And yeah, I was not impressed at all. Like 50 pound, 50 pound hickory bow. And I, I don't know how much penetration I got, but did the, did the job and whatever. I, I mean, basically that's the last time I shot woods until, you know, a couple, well, last year, last fall. Well, no, no, it was, it was, when was it this year? I can't remember. We went for a wild boar and I shot some. I think that was Lawrence. this year. If I remember yeah, that. St. Lawrence traditionals uh wood wood arrows so they're great arrows like they spine like they spine good for the bow uh yeah like like i said they shot they shot fine i'm just not a huge fan of wood arrows like you know she does a great job building her arrows and stuff like that but they're just not for me right i'm more scared of loading up my quiver just imagine you have six arrows in your quiver and you go on a moose hunt in your canoe you go to get out of the canoe and you fall down, you break all your arrows. True. Like how, how fun would that be? And that's, that's in the back of my head, you know, and I've had guys get out of their truck to shoot a deer in the, in, you know, just off the road, fall down and break all the arrows in their quiver. And they were compound, like they're, sorry, they were carbon. And like, it's happened. It, it can happen. Mm. So I'll, I'll take my chances with a, a strong aluminum or a, or a strong carbon over over woods. Woods fine. Nothing nothing against it. It's just not for me. Yeah. You and my grandpa get along. He's believed in aluminum since it came out and he hasn't gave up on it since. Yeah. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. They sound a little goofy to me when they leave the leave the bow, but other than that, yeah. I mean, they hit. Yeah, they're fine. But you know, you talk to some other dudes that you, you hit a deer in the shoulder and you get a bunch of carbon fibers in the meat and then you got to throw that section of meat away. Right. And aluminum's a little bit different. It, you know, you can easily see the aluminum, but carbon fibers, you always hear bad stories about everything, I guess, but yeah. Yeah. Someone's going to have a bad experience somewhere with something. There always is. Yeah. No for sure. It's like lead poisoning from guns mm-hmm. or mechanical broadheads. If you go back to compounds, million guys will say that they're perfect and there's a million other sides saying they had nothing but problems with them yeah you know i shot a i shot an elk with my recurve with a mechanical broadhead how'd that go well i got her just a cow about six yard shock no exit it opened up all the way though yeah oh yeah i've never had a problem with them not opening they've always opened i've never had an, an issue with them opening i have heard of the feral on the broadhead crumbling oh sorry dogs sucking back some water here <laughs> that's all right the uh I, I have heard of my buddy shot an antelope like 20 yards 70 pound bow with a rage two blade and uh hit him right in the shoulder blade and it just crumbled just mushroomed the whole front end of that of that uh feral on the broadhead so i i had two packs of them and i had five out of the six work i shot five well six animals with them five of them they worked fine and then the sixth one didn't open i think they were g5 t3 if i remember right but the one that didn't open i think it was because it got wet and it iced up because it was kind of like a misty day and then it got real cold towards evening and everything was kind of freezing and i think that that it might have froze up i just know that it poked a hole through it just like a field point didn't open up at all and was stuck in the dirt still closed on the other side and luckily i hit it perfect Clip, yeah. yeah lungs and heart just got it perfect and it died anyways but yeah and that's and that's i think that's a, a huge thing that guys overlooked i didn't get the animal 
so the broadhead must not have opened, right? A lot of guys are like you. A field point works. You can shoot a field point. You hit a deer with a field point in the heart and lungs. He's going to die, right? So mm-hmm. if you made a bad shot and you blame your broadhead for not opening, how do you know it didn't open? It, it, you know what I mean? Like you made a perfect shot, didn't open. You got proof that it didn't open. And it's still dead deer, right? Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of guys that, oh, if I had this kind of broadhead, I would have got him. Well, really? Are you, are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah, I just kind of got to the point, though, where after that one, it really made me think about it. If I got a solid broadhead, I know no matter what, it hits that <laughs> yeah. deer, it's going to cut. As long as it's sharp, and I sharpen my broadheads when, as soon as I get them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What are you shooting for broadheads then? What are they called? I just got new ones this year. Um, three blade VPAs. VAP. VAP, VPA. Which one? VPA. VPA, yep. I got those three blades, uh, 250s. I shoot that out of my recurve too. I got them both shooting those 250s, but the recurve I'm shooting 350 spines and 400 spines out of my longbow. I think. If I remember right. I don't know. I've got it all wrote down somewhere. I've switched things so much. I get, I kind of geek out over the. That type yeah, of deal. So I've switched so many times. I don't even know for sure. Yeah, me too. Okay. Where have you gone chasing animals? Obviously Saskatchewan, but where just else have you hit? Just Saskatchewan. Just Saskatchewan. I, I, yeah, I hunted bears in Manitoba, stuff like that. But I've never gone anywhere crazy. I don't need to. I can drive four hours and shoot anything I want. So it's like, why would I go anywhere? No. All right. So tell us some bear stories then. I know there's a lot of people that haven't hunted bears that listen to this show i've had people oh, yeah. ask if i get some bear hunters on here so there you guys go let's hear some bear stories well we've been we've been hunting bears for a long time the one of the one of the more exciting bear hunts was uh when my boy was i think he was eight and we we're filming went inside of my buddy my buddy dave's uh a spot we call shocky because it's because everybody names their baits right well it's not like if you got five baits, it's not like, well, I'm going to go sit at bait number one, or I'm going to go sit at bait number two. You're going to go sit at, okay, I'm going to go sit at Pine Ridge, or I'm going to go sit on the shelf or whatever. So everybody comes up with names. So my buddy named his bait, well, we just called it his, we just call it Dave's bait. And then my other buddy, Scott, named it, well, it's kind of like Shockey's, like Jim Shockey would have a perfect bait, right? You got big pine trees, and you got a river, and you got, you know, poplar trees it's just shady dark big cool forest so we, we named that one shocky so i'm sitting at shocky we got we usually hunt ground blinds because it's just a little bit more exciting than up in a tree stand for bears right Being at eye level with them yeah it's just cool right so we're sitting there in the in the ground blind trying to be quiet and my boys nine eight eight or nine seven eight nine i, I can't remember how old he was and we're trying to film our hunts and stuff like that. So he's got this. And my buddy Dave, his wife, always makes makes my boy a uh, a treat bag. So he's got treats. So he's got these jujubes in his pocket and in his little Ziploc. And he's sucking on these things. Every time I'm not watching him, I'm looking around. And I can hear the bag rustling. I'm like, buddy, you better not eat those because the bears are going to smell. They're going to come in the blind. Sure enough, bear comes behind us. And you can hear him running around. There's probably two of them. Hear him running around. And, uh, yeah, they're walking right behind. It's going to come to the bait. And then, oh, they kind of slow down. And one kind of looks into the 
you know, how they just wave their head side to side, smelling the air, and then comes into the blind, pokes his head near the blind. So I, because I, I don't have a shotgun, I just got the bear spray. So I reach down and grab the bear spray, and the boy's trying to sit still, and we're trying to not move and not breathe. And he's like three feet away, four feet away, whatever, looking at the blind. Is this just blind. like a fabric blind or is it a wood blind? Oh, it's just trees. Just tre- Oh, it's- like a, just like, oh, okay, you guys just stacked yeah. up some trees. Okay. Yeah, just, you know, some little spruce trees you, you mow down yeah. and bring them up. So, But there was a little opening because they were coming in the blind when you leave. They're in your blind, right? They're smelling where you were and stuff. So this little bear is poking. It's like maybe a five-foot bear, right? Nice brown poking his head into the blind. So I reached out and grabbed the, the bear spray and the bear's looking in the blind and I clicked the safety off the bear spray because he's right there and I'm, I'm not going to mess around with bears with the boy. And the bear jumps up. I jump up. I spray my arm with the bear spray. Spray the tree with the bear spray. The bear jump. I scared him. He scared me. He jumps into the tree, climbs a tree about, about 10, 10 feet up, whatever, right? And I'm freaking out, right? And I just sprayed sprayed up real quick with the bear spray. And then, uh, of course, the wind kind of drifted back into, not into my face, but kind of beside me. It's on my arm, on my bow. And I'm choking, trying to breathe. And the boy is there. He's like, I kind of jump over the, I kind of jump over the blind and step out because it just trees falling down. I'm choking and gasping. I'm like telling him, kick, kick, come on, come on out, come on. And I'm trying to breathe at the same time. Like, that bear spray is nasty stuff, man. It's like... Well, it's oil, too, so it coats. If you breathe it, yeah. it's coating everything. It's bad stuff. Like, really bad. And then eventually, he kind of come out the blind, and he kept recording on the on the camera and stuff like that. And we come around, and and adrenaline's hitting you, right? Because this all, this all just happens, like, super, super quick. So, come around the blind, and he, he's recording, and he's... You know, he's kind of getting freaked out. And then I zipped the bear up in the tree. He filmed it, zipped the bear. Bear falls down right there. Like, it, it ran up about, I don't know, 20 yards up the tree or whatever. Lasted like nine seconds and fell down. And then the waterworks started. Bo was pretty... The adrenaline kicked in, right? And then he started crying and stuff like that. And I'm like, hey, you don't you don't have to cry. Like, stop your crying, right? It's all done. It's just adrenaline. But, yeah, he was pretty freaked out. But that was pretty memorable anyway. But now, now yeah. he's addicted. He doesn't want to sit in a tree stand. Doesn't want to shoot bears from a tree. Like sit on the ground. It's just shot angles are better. Stuff like that. It's just a little bit more entertaining, let's say. Right. And I remember him and I also were sitting on the ground, and the the ground blinds, let's say, three feet tall all the way around. Bigger, more on the back kind of brush you brush yourself in but you still have to shoot over top of it when the bears come so i remember the one time we were down he's scrolling on his phone or whatever i was doing whatever squatted down and you know how you hear fingernails on a chalkboard like on a window just tick 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 like a couple of ticks you would know exactly what it is we heard a bear claw on a steel drum like ting right this ting yeah and we kind of looked at each other like yeah there's a bear right there and we kind of both just looked out at the bear and yeah of course there's a bear right there you didn't even hear it come in or nothing like that it just snuck right in and that's all you heard was that ting you knew exact that's just like you know exactly what that sound is you know without without even knowing what what made it you know exactly it was it was a bear just right there i've heard that they're quiet for how big they are i've never never really messed with them but i've heard they're just silent if they want to be well 
not even if they want to be, they just are. Like they're just walking quiet. Like they got, they got us walking barefoot, you know, on carpet. You know, you go back, you follow a bear trail from your base. It's like left, right, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. It's just like the leaves are just matted down exactly like you walked in snow. And they walked in the same path over and over and over. It's super quiet. They just sneak right in. And that happened this year, too. We were just sitting there. We were in tree. We actually found a tree stand this year. And there's no real good spot where we were. Where the Our bears were being hit, but not crazy good. So we sat where the bears were showing up in daylight. And that spot doesn't have a real good spot for a ground blind. So we just sat in a tree stand. And we were sitting there, I don't know how long, 20 minutes. And then I kind of look back at Bo when he's watching the movie. And I look down just in your peripheral vision, just, just this black blob right below you. It's like, okay, don't move, right? It's a, it, like, it's not scary. It's just surprising. You know what I mean? Mm. It's kind of like when you have a, when you have a deer decoy out, like a solid deer decoy, a 3D deer deer decoy, and you look one way and then you look back, like, oh man, there's there's yeah. a deer right there. It just, just startles you like that. And then it's like, oh yeah. But a bear is a little bit different when it's like you know a bear but have yeah you, bears are bears are fun they're fun when you did hunt out of the trees you've seen videos that i'm sure have you ever had one come up the same tree that you're in no i've had them put their pans and paws on my tree like come up and look at us like they're gonna come up but yeah. i never had any come up looking at it did they ever make you nervous at all though when they were doing that looking up at you like they might come up no i, I did get nervous once well this year actually i got nervous this year too because we're bear hunting and the bears came in then they left and bo my boy had to go to the bathroom so i'm like well just get down just go real quick you know who cares just go real quick so he gets down goes and hangs hangs his butt over a log kind of thing and he's you know and i hear something behind me and i look and the bears are coming to the bait and he's only 10 yards from the bait i'm like okay you need to hurry up they're coming he's like what i'm like yeah they're coming so hurry up so he finished his business and made his way to the tree and then climbed up the tree and the bears just stopped there. Then eventually they came around and they started chewing. He forgot his gloves over where he was and the bears went over there, sniffed it all out and started chewing on his gloves that he left there and stuff. But I mean, they're just five foot bears, but they'll yeah. still mess you up. I mean, five foot bear versus five foot person. I'm going to take the bear yeah. every time. Yeah, for sure. But uh, another time I was nervous was, uh, I was elk hunting and I was up in a tree stand elk hunting and uh, hunting over like a, a wallow, not really a wallow, but kind of a spot where they're traveling through. And you, you hear something coming and it's like, oh, well, look, here's a porcupine coming. Like, great, porcupine. You can see it wobbling through the through the undergrowth kind of thing. And it's kind of open. That's kind of why we're picking that spot. And then uh, it, was, uh, it was a cub. It was a bear. It was like a little baby grizzly bear that's what it looked like to me right but it was only probably oh shoot three three foot bear like not big at all like a cub i'm like oh great so where's mom right where's where's mom you know it's getting dark i'm like okay great so the bear stands up and he's rubbing his back on a tree and he, like he's only a three foot bear like super small like the smallest bear i've ever seen then he comes over to my tree and starts coming up my tree looking up my tree gonna climb it and I just wave my hand at him, and then he takes off, woof, 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 like huffing and puffing, running away. And I'm like, oh my god, now great, now mom's gonna come over. The things are gonna get bad. It's gonna get dark, and I gotta walk out of here. You know, and you don't. You're elk hunting, so you don't. All you have is bear spray. 
Mm-hmm. So you don't have like a shotgun. When you're bear hunting, you can bring a shotgun. When you're bull hunting for, you can bring a shotgun for backup, right? Mm-hmm. Legally, you can bring a shotgun and still wear camouflage. If you're taking a rifle, you have to wear colors for yeah for rifle hunting. Like orange, so, right? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, is that what you guys yeah, call it up there? Just wearing colors? Pardon me? Is that what you guys call it up there? It's just wearing colors yeah. when you have to put on orange? Yeah, you gotta wear colors, yeah. We just call them the orange army. Yeah, the clown suits, yeah, I know. <laughs> Blows me away because in winter you can wear solid white, so whatever. Defeats the purpose of the orange then. Doesn't make any sense. But yeah, you can wear solid white or, or blaze orange. So everybody wears white. Yeah, but huh. No. Yeah, bear hunting's made for recurve guys. If the guys are just getting into bull hunting, bears are, I would say, like the easiest thing. If you want to just wet an arrow on an animal, bears are the, the ticket. They're super soft. Your arrow's gonna, your arrow's going to zip right through them. They're not tough at all. They'll die real quick if you make a good shot. But if you make a bad shot, you're not going to find them. But your, your shots are 10 yards, 10, 12 yards. Right? Yeah, me and a friend are talking about either going out west to Idaho or making a trip up into Canada to try to shoot some next year. We're talking oh, yeah. about it. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. He, uh, the, uh, he went up north of Winnipeg, I think he said. Or no, he was on the uh, Manitoba-Regina border. He won a hunt up there, a bear hunt. And, uh, oh, really? He went up and shot one with his bow. I think just one. Yeah. But, yeah. He said there was, yeah. there was a bunch of cinnamons where he was at, he told me, and he got he didn't want a cinnamon for some reason. He wanted a black. Oh, good. Yeah, me too. I'm the same way. I like black. Black is, I don't know why. I just like black. Shot shots and browns and stuff like that. And to me, black beer is, I don't know. Some guys, personal preference, right? Yeah. You know? I think I'd probably take whatever the first one under me would yeah, be. Yeah, for sure. Cause... sure. Having not done it, yeah. Like you, I don't know how much it is to come to Saskatchewan to hunt bears, but it's only one bear zone kind of thing yeah where at alberta you can shoot two okay right? you can shoot two but it, I, I have no idea how much it is but yeah there is lots of bears here like i can shoot two here in in different zones i can shoot one in the forest and one on the forest fringe let's say right farmland and stuff still mm-hmm. yeah it's, there's lots of bears this year we went back to get our barrels and i almost got my second bear i did uh we were just getting to the forest. We've seen an elk, uh, uh, cow elk out in the middle of the field. The field's just seeded, so it's like grass, right? It's only like two inches tall. And there's this cow elk and this calf out in the middle of this field, about three quarters of a kilometer or a mile, whatever, almost a mile, almost a kilometer, not quite a mile, right? Out there, just out in the middle of nowhere, blazing hot sun, just sitting there with their, with their calf. And then we're driving back into the forest. And then we see this black bear just kind of on the field edge, just kind of, I don't know if he was waiting for the cow and calf to come back, which is what I think. You know, if you're harassing them, they're going to sit out there all day. And uh, so I put a stock on this thing on the field edge, just pulled over, put on some quick camo just to keep the bugs off me pretty much. And then my boy was filming me and he was swatting flies the whole time, mosquitoes, because they were pretty bad. And I got to 37 yards, right? And uh, then he'd seen me booked her into the bush but yeah that's about it that's the only time you can really spot and stalk is when you're in the field because in the forest it's way too thick way way too thick you can't you can't see 30 yards in the forest unless it's on a trail or a road yeah it'd be nice if you like had one 
bedded up or whatever and you saw it and then you could use trees but i mean if you can only see that far period you're kind of yeah, stumbling across them yeah it's not like like colorado would be deadly like wide open you know you can shoot 30 yards no problem in the bush elk screaming and coming at you like here the elk the undergrowth trees yeah. are taller than the elk like it's crazy so yeah you, know, you guys got stand the, uh... Yeah, you guys, this forest, ours are more managed, like down in Colorado and whatnot, to where like all the trees are the same length, so then you got this whole floor is open. You right. just got trunks. Yeah. I forget that your guys is a lot. You guys got a lot of, you guys got a lot of stuff growing down low yeah. that can block your sight. Yeah, just undergrowth. So when you're calling elk, it's like you're better off on the fringe where it's all crop, right? When they come out to the crop, you can shoot them because you can see it and you can shoot fifty or hundred yards or whatever, but. It's in the bush. It's more conducive with a tree stand, right? Yeah. Every now and again, uh, up over here, we'll have elk come down from you guys up north there. Like my parents up in Scobie or Flaxville, they had, when I was in high school, I think it was like eight, I heard of eight bulls, just little guys, but right in the backyard. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. During archery season, and I was in town with a dead cell phone sleeping at a friend's house. I was the only one with an archery tag and a bow. They were in the backyard. Really? And you could do it there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I had the tag and everything, general tag, but my phone was hmm. dead, and I was sleeping. I woke up and got my phone plugged in, and 100 missed calls from my dad. And I thought someone had died. Yeah, no, no. Worse. We had elk in the backyard, and I was the only one that could shoot it, and I wasn't there. That's crazy. Yeah. So, but that, that's what it's like here, too. It's like all, lots of lots of farmland elk down by the, the cities, right? And moose, too. So now they've opened up seasons for moose and elk and stuff like that where you have to be drawn so have you it's, uh, it's been... have you got a moose yet oh yeah yeah with your uh uh traditional stuff no not, not my yet traditional. almost came close came close had some coming and we're uh, we're in tree stands me and my buddy and calling him in call him in had one coming had him coming on a string coming 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 and then he gets to about 20 yards and i have to wait for him to walk in front of me so I quit calling and he's kind of coming slow. He quit calling too. And he's just kind of walking really slow. And I was like 10 yards behind my tree. I got to wait for him to just come out underneath me pretty much on a trail. Perfect spot. I'm like just waiting for him, waiting for him to come out and just shoot him. And my buddy lets out a cow call. I'm like, Oh my God. So it turned. Then it went this way. I called a little bit more and kind of spooked it and ran off. And I'm like, Oh man, like wh- why did you call? Like what's going on? Because I, I set him up downwind, mm-hmm. and I was calling, and then the, the moose just came to me. So then he said, well, I, I didn't hear you calling anymore, and I didn't hear the moose calling. I thought he was hanging up, so I, I figured I'd give him a call. And I just totally turned the, turned him, right? And Neither one of us got a shot, but, but we couldn't see each other. So when you're setting up and you got a partner and you guys are calling, even no matter how far away you are, you should try to be able to see the other person so that you can at least – throw some hand signals to let them know what's going on right or read body language if you're sitting there like this exactly if you're waiting for him to walk out you know you know what's going on yeah for sure so how close did you say he was oh 10 yards how big did that look when you were on the ground with him yeah they're 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 big animals like yeah they're they're big i've shot a couple with my compound and yeah they're big yeah yeah we uh, awesome we have them down here too i mean obviously act like we're so far yeah. apart we're in different countries yeah. but what do we say like two and a half hours apart we've got them down here too and 
two two or three years ago, we came across a cow that got tangled up in a barbed wire fence by her back leg. She'd been dead for like a couple hours by the time we had found her. But God, they are such a big animal. It's crazy. Yeah. They don't look like it when they're out there loping along. When you're looking through binoculars. And they can hide. You know, they're not they're not super wide, so they can hide. You know, a thousand pound animal can hide behind a tree. It's crazy. Yeah, I've I've had where luckily. Uh, cow and a calf we were in a me and my brother were walking this top we were rifle hunting and it was just like a little shallow cut in the ground like it's flat ground it's just like this cut i mean if you're standing the bottom be like 20 yards to the top of it if you went straight up and drew a line across and we were on either side like 80 yards apart and it's just like little brush buck brush just down through the bottom patches here and there and we were walking along and just in one of those little buck brushes out come a calf moose and stood right behind him and then the mama moose came out we didn't see either of them the point of it was they were just in that brush and neither of us saw it but it ended up being where he's standing here the calf moose is behind him the cow moose is in front of him and they're like the two moose are like 40 yards apart and he's right in the center of them and that's not a good spot and i was yelling at him to move or something and he he locked up and i uh i had the gun pointed on that mama moose if she was gonna go at him at all i was gonna do what i could but yeah, he locked yeah. he locked up solid. Yeah, that's that happens. Yeah. My that happened to my brother. My brother was uh my two brothers they were out I forget what they were doing, but my one brother had I think a twenty two and my other brother had a rifle and they, he shot a deer with a rifle and then the deer got up and charged him and he just froze. Mm. I don't know how far away it was, but my other brother just brought his brought his uh twenty two up and shot him from the hip hit the deer in the neck and broke his neck and dropped him right there. But my one brother was just frozen in fear, right? This thing's coming at him head down. It was weird. Mm-hmm. And then he, of course, you can't, you're not supposed to hunt with a, with a 22. I don't know what they had it there for. Squirrels. But, uh, no idea. Whatever. But good thing you had it on him, right? Yeah. I don't know if they were driving up to pick it up after he, he dropped it, but it wasn't dead. It got up and was... Plenty of life left in him. Yeah. Yeah. I should mention that my brother was like 12. It was like his first or second year hunting during this too. So he was a young guy. And I don't know what I would, if I would have been on the other side of the draw, I might have locked up too. Because I mean, you're that Mm -hmm. small and the moose comes out that far in front of you and you were barely up to her chest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not cool. I remember being scared, being scared of deer. My one brother, my, again, my brother, I had a bow and he had a muzzleloader and we were walking around again and, this one deer come out and real big buck and he shot it with a muzzleloader on the trot, hit him in the back leg, like maybe the ankle. I have no idea where he hit him. He just said, I hit him in the back leg. Okay. He's like, go push him out of that bush. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not going in there. You see the rack on that thing. He's going to kill me. He says, oh no, if he comes at you, just lay on your back and kick him. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going <laughs> to die out here. And my dad always, my my dad never did really want me to go hunting with my older brother because he knew he he's not the safest guy around to go hunting with. So, but once I was old enough to think on my own, like he didn't want me going when I was 13 and 14. When I was 16, yeah, sure, no problem because you can kind of handle yourself. But yeah, kind of a kind of a good thing I didn't go with him because probably be in jail. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Yeah. On that on that being nervous of the deer coming at you. I was like 11, like right before I started, was old enough to get my deer license. And somehow on YouTube or something, I ran across a home video of someone was going up to his deer, was laying there dead like that. And it jumped up 
gored him through the chest and the face and whatnot. Antlers. Yeah. So then those first couple years, I didn't want to be anywhere near brush or anything that I couldn't see across. If I kicked a deer up and he came out wrong and got me with that. I don't know what that fear was. Somehow I just eventually got over it, but that was, that was a big fear for a couple of years there. Yeah. Have you, did you hear about that one guy that died? He, the, the deer head swung on the tailgate of the truck and the antler poked him in the, in the leg. Uh-uh. That was my, my oldest brother's son-in-law's cousin or something like that. He knew who, who it was. The deer head was on the back of the truck and they were back in the truck or the deer was in the back of the truck and his head was hanging off of the, off of the tailgate. He backed up the truck or I don't even know how the story went, but the antler, the deer had swung and poked him in the, in the artery on the leg. Ooh, the, ooh. Yeah. Like Emerald it had to be pretty good, but the deer was dead and it swung and poked him in the leg, hit him in an artery and he died. Wow. And that was, yeah. See, I was thinking you're going to say there was somebody standing back there and the guy was backing up and he hit the brakes or something. Deer slid off and the weight of it. I don't know. Could have swung, but could have, but I heard it just swung and, and swung good and, hit him must have been a super sharp antler to do that wow like when, when it's your time to go it's your time to go i guess yeah i guess that teaches you to shoot spike deer huh only thing yeah. that's not sharp i got no worries of that happening yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, i don't know they, they if that happens now you guys need to know some first aid yeah. stop the bleeding right yeah, i don't quite know yeah. what you do though if you get femoral artery i mean that's pretty and maybe, maybe he didn't off. even realize that he just thought he was bleeding. And what do you do at that yeah, point? Yeah, bleeding lots. But yeah, you got to stop the bleeding. Put your put your belt on your leg and tie it off. So do you have yeah, any uh, like spot and stock deer or anything? Oh, yeah. We shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? So we're both on prairie. What, I guess, is your trick getting within range besides, you know, be slow? Yeah, well, prairie for me, where I mule deer hunt, they call it prairie, but it's it's still a valley, right? So okay. we're glassing from the top of a valley, and you're watching buck brush and stuff like that. So the the biggest thing you can do is know exactly where he beds for mule deer. I don't know, whitetail is yeah. a little bit different, but I mean, my brother shot whitetail bedded, so it's it's doable. You can do it, but mule deer is just more fun, right? For where we go, you can see a hundred deer in a day thing so but yeah we just get up high on the, on the hills watch them and you have to know exactly the tree that he bedded up against and then you just get as close as you can and just wait for him to stand up but uh, it doesn't always happen <laughs> you know the hardest part is knowing exactly where they bedded so you have to keep eyes on them all the time so what our, our problem is there's too many deer it's like this valley's got five bucks and you're trying to watch everyone where they bed up right and then that hillside there has got five bucks or whatever. And you're trying to watch them all and see where they're going. But early season, they kind of all go into the same draw. So it's like, as soon as they go over that hill, they're gone. You can't even pretend to know where they went because it's all fortresses of trees that are 10 feet tall and, you know, tons of coolies and openings in the trees to get through for the cattle. But if you watch them bed in the sagebrush and stuff like that, then you can get get a good shot get a good spot and stock in right so the biggest thing is just knowing exactly where they are yeah yeah what uh when your season start your archery september 1st so they're still in velvet then some of them yeah yeah same up yeah. here 
were the first Saturday in Saturday or first Saturday in September every year. So it yeah works out about the same. We uh, yeah that's that's kind of know exactly where they bed, but we have the same thing. We got the draws and coolies, and you might get lucky and get one in there. But a lot of the times they just go out to some CRP just tall grass and the, just the middle of it and they'll just bed down and you might yeah. be out there on a point and think you got them pinned as soon as you get down in that crp tall grass it's just an ocean i've had them yeah. where i thought i had it exactly on and i crawled up and i thought i was within 20 yards and i sat there for like two hours just had my water bottle long drinking water and finally he stood up 150 yards off to my <laughs> west i thought i was right on him i thought he was right there yeah, hmm. yeah that's that's the bad part. You have to know exactly where they are. Otherwise you're wasting your time. And, and when you can see their antlers, it's, it's even better. Right. Yeah. I know there's lots of guys that I know that hunt uh, farmland for mule deer and they just watch the field. And then when they bed up, they just get into 40 yards and then they just wait. Deer stands up, they pull up 40 yards. Boom. Done. Yeah. Just like that. Super easy. 40 yards compound. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything about hunting is just super easy. Oh, it's nothing to it. Don't you know we're just a bunch of drunk rednecks driving around shooting them out the window? Yeah, and if he's too small, just go shoot another one. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Throw him in the ditch. Yeah, ditch deer. Exactly. <laughs> so, we've already gone for an hour. That went quick. Uh, did, right. you, did you have any, uh, I guess, info or anything you want to give out to the people? Tricks, tips, anything? Hmm. Yeah, if you want to be accurate with the with the traditional bow, aim. <laughs> find a find an aiming point, whether you're gap shooting or string walking. And if you want to be accurate, that's how you get accurate. That's how you be accurate is aim. Instinctive shooting is not as accurate, guaranteed. And uh, I'm shooting instinctive. I'm not aiming. I'm not gap shooting at 40 yards or 35 yards. I'm trying to reference my point. But my arrow set up and my anchor point, because I have glasses, it's hard for me to anchor up near my eye to actually get a good gap, right? So I just stick to instinctive and just pull and shoot. And pull, anchor, hold, kind of line up the trajectory, just visualize what's going to happen, and then try to make a good shot. But yeah. yeah. But if you're aiming, I know, like I'm going to 3D shoots and stuff like that where you're shooting with bearable guys and they're smoking me, right? Like, and you aim, you just string walk. Well, it's like 12 yards. Okay, I'm going to go down to my fourth mark and I'm going to anchor and shoot. Okay, now it's 29 yards. Okay, I'm going to go down not as far, anchor, aim at the tip of my arrow right where I want and shoot. So that string walking is super accurate, but I would never hunt like that. Yeah. Right? It's accurate, but I would never hunt like that because your arrow flight's terrible. You're anchoring, you're pulling the string in a different spot each time. How do you tune that? Yeah. But yeah. bear boogers don't care because it's just hitting foam. So, see, I I instinctive shoot, but it seems like I'll have days where when I'm shooting on target, like I will just be like softballs, just perfect. And then I'll have days where I'm off, and I think, well, maybe I should start trying to do point on or something. But once I'm on an actual animal, even when I was with compound and everything, it's just like that all went out the window, and I just lock in. Like I don't even need to aim; my body just knows exactly yeah. what it's doing. So. Yeah, that's what I found too. I shot a, a decent mule deer in, in a ghillie suit and I shot him about 12 yards and he'd come right to me on a string, jumped the fence right in front of me, perfect. And I don't remember anything. 
Like, I don't remember anything. All I remember is a ghillie suit string in my eye. And I just kind of looked through it and just pulled back and was shocked. You know, you'd think that something would be in your eye and it's going to make you mess up and you're going to have an excuse. Mm-hmm. No, it just all worked out. I just pulled back, anchored and shot and got him. You know, Did you have to have a... Um, arm guard? Arm guard. You had to hold all that yeah. fur and shit yeah. down? I just trimmed it all off with scissors. Oh, okay. Just got rid of all of it. Anything that's going to touch my string, I just got rid of it. Okay. And shoot lots wearing it. Like that's, yeah. But that, like that, was, that had to be my... my one of my most favorite hunts is sitting against the bale and sitting in front of the bale and having this mule deer walk up to me, jump the fence right in front of me, and then I drilled it. And he didn't have a clue I was there. He was going to a decoy. I had a decoy set up behind me. That's yeah. cool. That'd be really cool. I want to oh, yeah. try decoy and deer. I want to try it bad. 3D decoys is the ticket. They're super expensive, but... I'd just be nervous about somebody driving by and shooting it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have to set them up like that. Like, yeah, for sure. For sure. Maybe put or, a little spray paint orange on his nose or but, something. But it doesn't matter. It's still gonna re- it's still gonna ruin your hunt. Even if they know it's a decoy, they're gonna stop and glass it. So just don't set up where anybody can see it from the road. Okay. At all, because you'll have deer walking towards you, and then they're gonna stop and glass your decoy, and then deer are gonna see that truck stop, and then they're gonna take off. So just if it, if anybody uses a decoy, don't set it up where you can see it from the road. Even if you have permission and you're the only one allowed, which is where I am. People will still stop and glass your decoy. I'd be the one guilty of that. I do that all the time. Even if it's private land, I stop and look at every oh, yeah. deer. There's nothing wrong with that. I had people yelling and screaming at my decoys. Trying, trying to get to get its head? Yeah, trying to get them to run off the property so they could hunt them, right? And I just walked out, stood beside the deer and waved at them, and then they drove away. So you're running a buck decoy then? Both. I had a buck and a doe so when that mule deer came in was that a doe or was that a buck just a doe. that was okay. just a doe because i had to kill in. so do you uh find ones more uh like works better or is it the pair of them together or i'm assuming you're using it during the rut is the deal yeah yeah the the mule deer yeah the mule deer was i don't even know it must have been the rut because he came to that decoy but it was a white-tailed doe decoy but he didn't matter it didn't care to him it was just a deer and i put it up high on the hill so that he could see the outline, the silhouette, real easy, right? Do you put a little but, scent on yeah. it too? Uh, no. Okay, you don't no. need to do that. I just, I, if, if I anticipate them winding me, like that at that particular spot, I knew kind of where I wanted them to come from, and they would have been walking with the wind the whole time, so it was it was perfect. Okay. Yeah, no, it's good. It might be something I have to add to my repertoire in these coming years here. Yeah, and like I said, they're expensive, but they're totally worth it. Like, totally worth it. They're they're super fun, right? When they're when they're rutting and they're coming to rattling antlers, and they see a decoy and they come running across the field to come and kill your decoy, they don't care about scent until they're about forty yards from it. Then they'll start to wind you. See, I've right? rattled them up, just never with a decoy though. Just yeah. you know, hiding the brush, and they come by the yeah. brush looking for it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, and decoys are are good. But like you said, they'll come to that brush, right? So if they see a deep, they will go downwind. They'll come running over, and then they'll start to skirt downwind, right? So I just set up. I put the decoy so that when they skirt downwind, they're coming right to me. Yeah. It doesn't work all the time, but those, like, if those see your decoys, they're not coming anywhere near it. Yeah. They don't care. They're just like, no, you're not moving. I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, those bucks are a little bit dumber that time of year. 
Yeah. That's awesome. God was yeah. cool about that. When he made the bucks dumb that time of year, he made the does super smart every time. They got to thank yeah. for both of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, you forget it for sure. So, um, I guess if there's anything else you want to add, go ahead. If not, you want to give them all your info. If they want to find you or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. Check us out on, uh, just go to our YouTube page. If you want to watch some super awesome bow hunting action, <laughs> gunshy archery YouTube page. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, we make some quivers. I'm doing quivers full time now. So my gunshy is running full time. I got my boy working with me trying to, cut down on the lead times you know it's about uh eight week lead time right now on quivers because everything's custom we make one at a time so as the orders come in we make them and we just got so many orders it's it's super awesome just trying to hammer them out as fast as we can so are they so uh, so- hip quivers or on bow quivers or both just bow quivers just on your strap on they can bolt to the side of uh if your bow has bushings like uh, quiver mount bushings into the riser there i'm but, looking uh, at them now mostly strap on and that's yeah. your they're solid that's the biggest thing is lots of guys when we started making quivers i just had issues with other quivers sliding and arrows falling out and stuff like that and, and i didn't i always shot two blades so i didn't really see the need of all this foam on this big hood up high so i started making some thinner ones and there, i mean there was thinner ones out there but uh, just kind of dabbling my own, tinkering on my own stuff. And it kind of started looking more appealing and it was pretty solid. So then I started to start to market them. So it kind of took off for me. So well, I'm needing a second yeah. quiver for this one over here. So I might be uh, texting you about that. Yeah, for sure. Get on that. And then uh, old Robert Smith, he's making me another, making me a bow too. So now I've got probably need a third one here coming up. Well, good. Yeah. Right yeah. I don't, uh, if I'm in the backyard, it's okay to stick those arrows in my back pocket. But once I got broadheads yeah. on, I don't want them in my back pocket anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, a lot of guys tell me too, when you, as soon as you slam one of those quivers on there, cause I got lots of foam going around the, the limb mm-hmm. when you strap it on. So kind of acts as a dampener. So quiet. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, but thanks. Yeah. No, they're, they're good. You just hit me up. I'll, I'll set you up real good. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will. Everybody's money's good. Wouldn't even right. make you ship it across the border. You just got to drive it down to me. Yeah. For I'll sure. meet you at Kornak. You just throw it across. When you're, when you're coming duck hunting or bear hunting. Yeah. We'll see about that. I probably said that too loud. My wife's out in the living room now. There you go. Another trip. But uh, yeah, thanks yeah. to Pyle for coming on. It was really interesting. Yeah. I learned a lot. Had a good time. Uh, yeah, if you ever want to come back on. Just let me know, and we'll get you on. Sounds good. All right, you have a good one. We'll talk to you later. All right, man. Thanks. Yep, bye.